keep our eyes on Jesus, right? Keep pursuing Him, keep moving forward, keep following Him. Well, over the last several months, our expenses here at the church have exceeded our income to the tune of $17,000. That's not good. It means we're $17,000 behind. And we've had, there's reasons for that. We've had some soffit repairs. Terry Gaffney, remember you pointed out, Pastor, the soffits look terrible. They're falling down. We need to fix that. We got it fixed. So thank you for pointing that out. And, and we got that all repaired. We had a couple computer replacements. We've had a furnace replacement, an air conditioner, a $3,300 bus repair. That's a lot, isn't it? But praise the Lord. Praise the Lord, we had the bus fixed before your children were broken down on the side of 71. Amen? Let's praise the Lord for that. (laughs) We would never let that happen. But So there's reasons for these costs. Nonetheless, we're in the red. Now, we believe this, that God, that this is God's church. Amen? And that God is going to supply all that we need. Do you know how he does that? Everybody smile at me. You know how he does that, right? Right? Pastor Bunny, very, very funny, would would say sometimes in jest, reach in your neighbor's pocket and give like you've always wanted to. Isn't that great? I love that. Yeah, don't, don't you be reaching in my pocket. Well, you know what? God supplies for his church through you. And through me, this is how God does it, through tithes and offerings. But here's the problem. Not everyone is tithing consistently. So let me talk about that. There's probably reasons for that. Sometimes, sometimes, people just haven't had good teaching on the subject of tithing. Or maybe you come from a church where it's... It was extremely abusive. Lots of dysfunctional teaching where all that was talked about was money, 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 and giving to get. Not giving as a form of worship, but dysfunctional teaching, uh, silver bullet faith. God wants you to have the, the best, the best, the best. Well, it could be from that. It could be simply from a lack of understanding. Or maybe you believe that tithing is not required for all Christians. Some people believe that most of us should tithe, but not them. That's an interesting subject, isn't it? You would say, we we need everybody to tithe, but I'm exempt from tithing. Well, let's talk about that for a moment. Some people actually feel like they are excused. and I'm not making light of that. I'm speaking directly to it. So write this down in your notes. So at, at Christian Heritage, we take notes. We want to remember, if, if God gave the pastor a message, we want to, it's important. And we want to listen to it. We want to adhere to it. We want to go back and review it a little bit later so that we are in line with what God is saying to the church. Is everybody with me? We're in line with what God is saying to the church. So here's the first blank. So some people don't tithe because they don't make that much. They don't make that much. Or uh, I'm a single parent pastor. God wouldn't expect me to give. Write this down. I'm a widow. They're a widow, and so God wouldn't expect them to give. Uh, They are on a fixed income. 
fixed income or social security, God wouldn't expect me to give uh, because I'm in, in, in one of these situations. Well, God expects everyone to tithe and give offerings because it is a form of worship. Write this down. It is a form of worship. No one is excused from worship and no one is excused from tithing. Another reason is, the reason God wants us to tithe is this is how God has chosen to bless you. You see, in the kingdom of God, we have to understand something. God has chosen to bless you. He has chosen to meet you, to sustain you. But in God's kingdom, the principles are the exact opposite of what the world's are. The principles are the exact opposite of what the world says. So the world says this, if you want to be great, you've got to be the boss. You've got to be the manager, the jefe, right? The CEO, right? That's if you want to be great, this is what you got to be. But what does Jesus say? In the kingdom of God, Jesus said, if you want to be the greatest, you have to be the what? Come on, you guys know this. What? Servant. Everyone say it together. Servant. If Jesus said, if you want to be the greatest in the kingdom, you've got to be the servant. Man, that does not make sense at all. So making yourself lower is how you make yourself higher? Yeah. Yeah. In the kingdom of God. Let me just give you a practical example that I think everybody can understand today. And maybe you've heard this. If, if you would like to be a franchise owner of McDonald's, you actually have to go and work at McDonald's. You have to be trained on everything in that entire store. You have to run the cash register. You've got to work the fryer and clean the fryer. You've got to work the drive-through. You've got to know everything. It is the requirement of franchise owners of McDonald's. Unbelievable. So if you want to be the owner, then you got to humble yourself and you got to literally work at McDonald's. Well, that's something we can understand. Write this down. Love your enemies. Another kingdom principle is love your enemies. Boy, that is not what God, what the world says. What does the world say? Hate your enemies. Students, those kids at school that bully you and mock you. I mean, you might say this, I hate them. That's what we might say. But, but here's what God's word says. No, no, I don't want you to hate them. I don't want you to bully them. I, I, I want you to love your enemies. Be kind to those who mistreat you. If they are hungry, give them something to eat. If they are thirsty, you give them something to drink. Boy, that is not what the world says, does it? No, but that is a kingdom principle. Another kingdom principle is you can't love both. You can't love both God and money. So Jesus said this, you can't love two masters. You will love the one and hate the other. You will cling to the one and despise the other. You can't love both God and money. Church, you may not want to hear this today. But if you're not tithing, then you love God. Money more than you love God. 
If you're not tithing, you love money more than you love God. Now, you may say, well, pastor, that's not, that's not true for me. That's not right at all. I love God more than money. Then if that is true, then you need to prove it. If that is true, you need to prove it by tithing. Jesus said this, give and it shall be given to you. And God says, if you give to me first in faith and true worship, then I will bless you. I will open the windows of heaven upon you and pour out a blessing that you can't contain. It's the exact opposite of what you might think. So here's a question. Pastor, how is tithing going to give me more? If, if I have $10, $10 right here, and I give one away, that doesn't give me more. It gives me less. I don't get this. This doesn't make sense to me, Pastor. There's principles. There are principles in the kingdom of God and God is not a one-to-one. Okay, write this down. In God's economy, it's not one-to-one. Here's what God says. It's more like planting seeds. If you plant one seed of corn, a corn kernel in the ground, you get a stalk. And in where we last lived in Wapakoneta is where our church was. There were cornfields surrounding the church. So I got an education on corn. And I didn't know this, but did you know that field corn, when you grow field corn, you, you, you get on the stalk, you get one ear. Did you know that? One ear. Doesn't seem right, does it? But that's the truth. And that's all we got uh, in Wapakoneta. How many, guess, teenagers, how many kernels of corn on, um, on a ear of corn? Yes, sir. A hundred? Eight hundred. How do you know that? You guys, are you guys throwing me under the bus upstairs? And I thought, I was like, no way. That kid like did research before he came. Thanks, guys. Well, there is. Okay, there's 800. All right. On, that is amazing, though. You plant one seed and God gives you 800 back. Is that incredible? That is, that is amazing. But that's the concept that God wants to get in our minds. When you give one, it's not like he gives one right back to you. He's going to give more back to you. That's the principle. So let's read 2 Corinthians chapter 9. 2 Corinthians chapter 9. Starting with verse 6. But I say to you, he who sows sparingly will reap sparingly. He who sows bountifully will reap bountifully. So let each one give as he purposes in his heart, not grudgingly or of necessity, for God loves a cheerful giver. And God is able to make all grace abound to you, that you, always having all sufficiency in all things, may have an abundance for every good work. As it is written, he is dispersed abroad. He is given to the poor. I want you to remember that he is given to the poor. His righteousness endures forever. Now, may he who supplies seed for the sower and bread for food supply and multiply the seed you have sown and increase the fruits of your righteousness while you are enriched in everything for all liberality which causes thanksgiving through us to God. 
He who sows sparingly will reap sparingly. He who gives sparingly will reap sparingly. He who sows bountifully will reap bountifully. The more you sow, the more you will reap. This is not hard to understand. Let's make it very practical. If you have an acre of land, and let's say you plant beans, okay? And let's say on that acre you can harvest, this is just an example, two bushels. Two bushels of beans on an acre. So if you planted 10 acres, how much would you have? Mathematicians, help me out. Instead of having, you'd have 20, right? Everybody with me? Instead of getting just two bushels, you would get 20 bushels. So it makes sense, right? The more you sow, the more you're going to reap. But here's what the Lord says. I want you to to have a, a, a heart about giving. And I, and I want you to be cheerful. Let each one gives as he purposes in his heart, not grudgingly, not of necessity or because you have to, but because God loves a cheerful giver. God wants you to give. Do you have to? Yes. Okay? You have to. All right? But God doesn't want you to give because you have to. He wants you to give because you love him. Does that make sense? Because you love him. Give because your heart is moved towards God. Give from a worshipful heart. Here's what verse 8 says. And God is able. Let's say that together. God is able. One more time. God is able to make all grace abound to you so that you always having all sufficiency in all things may have an abundance for every good work. God is able to bless you. Let's turn our attention to the screen and watch this testimony. In 1983, my wife Kathy and I had just gotten married in December of 1983. And uh, I was in college at the time. And so we moved to Pennsylvania and lived on campus. Our living expenses were very basic. We, we really didn't have very much as far as living expenses. Living on campus, our, our expenses were very minimal, and so I was working a part-time job while I went to college, and I got paid enough to where I basically made about $100 a week, which I know that sounds like nothing, but again, our expenses were very minimal. Kathy and I had both learned early on as Christians, even back before we were married, that you tithe. You give the Lord 10% of your income, and uh, that's the portion he wanted us to return back to him and, and then manage the rest. So uh, every week we would take that $100 and take $10 and put that in the offering. That was our tithe. And after we'd been married a couple of months, this one day I got paid and the Lord spoke to me. And he said, I want you to give 10 additional dollars. So in other words, give $20. Now again, I'm only getting paid $100. That's my gross. I'm probably clearing after taxes at that time. This was in 83, probably $90. I was already taking 10 out. So we were living basically in $80 a week. So the Lord's now saying, I want you to give $10 more. And the way I sensed he was doing it, it was almost like a little kid who has a surprise for his parents or something and says, oh, you know, oh, open it. Oh, come on, try this. I just, I can't wait for you to do it. And, and so I told Kathy about it and she's like, well, boy, that's going to be tight. I said, well, I know. She said, well, if that's what the Lord wants and we need to do it. I said, I agree. So we did. So that week at church, we put in $20. It was a little tight the next week, but we, we got by, we managed. 
So the next week I got paid, and I got paid every week. The next week when I got my paycheck, the Lord said, do it again. $10 extra again. Give your $10 tithe and 10 additional dollars. I was like, um, Lord, how long are we going to do this? This is uh, going to be kind of tough. And, uh, and the Lord just said, well, just please trust me. Just go ahead and do it. I want to show you something. So I was like, okay. So I told Kathy, we need to do it again. She said, well, okay, let's, let's do it again. So we did it again. So that was on Sunday. We gave a, so we had given an additional $20 over our normal tithe altogether. So the following Wednesday, I went down to our campus mailroom to pick up our mail. And when I opened the mailbox, there was this envelope in there that had my name and our mailbox number. And I, I could tell you could mail things on campus without postage. And I could tell it came from somebody on campus. So I opened it up, and there was a, a piece of yellow manila legal notepad in there, yellow notepad. It was all rolled up, and on the outside of it, it said a verse from James. And I couldn't remember right offhand what that verse meant, but below it, it said, the Lord impressed on me to give. And I was thinking it was some joke from one of my friends on campus who was going to hit me up for some bogus uh, ministry or something, give to our ministry, and it was the Lord impressed on me to give, I thought was the verse from James. I thought that's what it was saying. He was trying to impress that on me. And I didn't understand what he really meant, whoever it was. And I unrolled the paper, and inside there were ten $20 bills. And I just stood there. I was all by myself in the middle. I just stood there and started shaking. It was almost as if I felt the Lord saying, See, see, look what I did. I, I, this is what I wanted to show you. See, I told you I'd take care of you. And what the Lord taught us through that was, and, and by the way, ten $20 bills. I had given an additional $10 two weeks in a row. That was $20. So in essence, I had given a tithe on money that was on the way in. And I didn't even know it. To this day, we don't know who gave it to us. Um, but at any rate, the Lord showed us through that early on in our marriage that if you will trust me and you will give me that portion and manage the rest, you will never lack. I will take care of you. Amen. Yeah, praise the Lord. That's encouraging. You see, God is able... To increase your pay or bring you a surprise miracle like he did for Jamie and Kathy. But it's based on your heart. Do you trust him? Are you giving cheerfully? I want to remind you, God is able. In the book of Leviticus, chapter 23, verse 22, it says this. This was a law that God gave his people, the children of Israel... After he brought them out of Egypt, they were former slaves. He brought them out. He said, when I bring you to the land, here's what you're going to do. When you reap your harvest, you shall not wholly reap the corners of your field when you reap. Nor shall you gather any gleanings from your harvest. You shall leave them for the poor and the stranger because I am the Lord. You see, God told his people, when you harvest your field, I want you to do it in an oval. I don't want you to touch the corners. I don't want you to reap those corners. I'm going to leave that for the poor and for the stranger so that they can come and they can and glean some things so that they, ha they can have food to eat. And when you go over and you harvest your field, you're only going to go over it one time. I don't want you to go back for stuff that fell, even though you saw it fall. I don't want you to go back for it. I want that to be left for the poor and the stranger. And God knew those that would follow this command. God knew. 
And so he would bless them. He would give them a greater crop so that even what they left behind, God would replace for them. God is able, church. Do you believe this? God is able to provide for you. And you need to tell yourself, God is able. You need to believe it. And we also need to try it. God will multiply your income. God will bless you. And if you're faithful, if you're faithful, excuse me, to give tithes and offerings, God is able. 2 Corinthians 9.10 says this, For God who gives seed to the farmer to plant and later on good crops to harvest and eat will give you more and more seed to plant and will make it grow so that you can give away more and more fruit from your harvest. Listen, church, God wants to bless you so much that you even have more to give away. But you got to start somewhere. You've got to start somewhere, and it takes a step of faith. So let's turn in our Bibles to the book of 1 Kings. The book of 1 Kings, chapter 17. And we're going to read verses 8 through 16. Then the word of the Lord came to him, came to Elijah the prophet, saying, Arise and go to Zarephath, which belongs to Sidon, and dwell there. See, I have commanded a widow there to provide for you. So he arose and he went to Zarephath, and he came there to the gate of the city. And indeed, there was a widow gathering sticks. And he called to her and said, Please bring me a little water in a cup that I may drink. And as she was going to get it, he called to her and said, Please bring me a morsel of bread in your hand. Verse 12. So she said, As the Lord your God lives, I do not have bread, only a handful of flour in a bin, and a little oil in a jar. And see, I'm gathering a couple sticks that I may go and prepare it for myself and my son, that we may eat it and die. And Elijah said to her, Do not fear. Go and do as you have said, but make me a small cake from it first. Bring it to me, and afterwards make some for yourself and your son. For thus says the Lord, your, the, the Lord God of Israel, The bin of flour shall not be used up, nor shall the jar of oil run dry until the day the Lord sends rain upon the earth. And so she went away and did according to the word of Elijah. And she and he and her whole household ate for many days. The bin of flour was not used up, nor did the jar of oil run dry according to the word of the Lord, which he spoke by Elijah. Write this down. She was commanded. She was commanded. Verse 8, I have commanded a widow to provide for you. How did God command this widow? I read this passage and I read this passage and I don't see anywhere where the Lord commanded the widow. It's because he, he didn't command her directly. Elijah had to tell her. Mm, awkward, huh? Awkward. God said, I have commanded her but guess who the command, commandment had to come from? Elijah. Church, God has commanded us to give to him. It is required of all of God's children. It is 
how he provides for this house and his priests and his prophets and for you. So let's take our Bibles and let's turn to Malachi chapter 3, familiar passage. Malachi 3, starting with verse 8. Malachi is the last book in the Old Testament before we get to the New Testament. Chapter 3, verses 8 through 11. Will a man rob God? Yet you have robbed me. But you say, in what way have we robbed you, God? In tithes and in offerings. You are cursed with a curse, for you have robbed me, even this whole nation. Bring all the tithes into the storehouse, that there may be food in my house. And try me now in this, says the Lord of hosts, if I will not open for you the windows of heaven and pour out for you such a blessing that there will not be room enough to receive it. And I will rebuke the devourer for your sakes, so that he will not destroy the fruit of your ground, nor shall the vine fail to bear fruit in the field, says the Lord of hosts. God commanded us to bring tithes and offerings to support the house of God. And just like he told that widow that he would provide for her, God will provide for us. But some of you have been missing out on this opportunity. And maybe some of you have been suffering financially, write that down, suffering unnecessarily because you haven't been following this commandment to tithe. Tithe and allow God to open the windows of heaven upon you. So how is this widow woman to discover this command? It came through the prophet. God holds the pastor responsible to tell their congregation that they must tithe and give offerings. That blessing is awaiting those who obey. But cursings will be upon those who don't obey. Under the subtitle faith. What would have happened to this widow? Now track with me. What would have happened to this widow if she would not have made Elijah a cake First, what would have happened? She would have had one last meal, right? Is everybody with me? That would have been it. She would have done exactly what she said. She would have picked up sticks and she would have made that one last meal for her and for her son. This widow woman, and mind you, she was a widow. She was a single mom, and God still expected her to give. Is everybody listening? Tithing is not for some. It is for everyone. It is for single parents. It is for widows. It is for teenagers. Teenagers, you need to tithe and start now. Trusting God that he will bless you. Quick quick testimony about Anna. Don't mean to embarrass you, Anna. But Anna is a very faithful tither. And I, and I, I, I about made my children tithe when they were young. Because I wanted to teach them these principles. And I said, Anna, God will multiply to you. He will bless you. Anna gets babysitting jobs every single weekend on top of her normal work hours. And sometimes she gets paid $40. And sometimes she gets paid $50. And sometimes she gets paid $100. Why? Because God honors those who tithe. 
You don't have to be an adult. Tithe, even as a young person. The Lord said, test me and see if I will not open the windows of heaven. Amen? So tithing is for single parents. It is for widows, teenagers, the elderly, those on a fixed income, those on social security. We're all required to give. And as you can imagine, that takes faith. Was it hard for this widow woman to give? Yes, I believe it was hard. But it was how God intended to provide for this woman. Do you see that, church? God was asking a widow to give to him first. It was a test. And if she passed the test, and if she gave, wow, all that she had, then God was going to sustain her miraculously through the entire drought. Church, do you know that your greatest obstacle and challenge usually is your greatest victory waiting to happen? Let me say that again. Did you know that your greatest obstacle, your greatest challenge, is your greatest victory waiting to happen? Jump out in faith and the Lord will catch you. Hallelujah. So the prophet said, feed me first and then make some for your son. For the meal, for you and your son, for the meal will not run dry and the oil will not dry up. Church, this is a principle in the kingdom of God. As we learned earlier, the kingdom of God is the exact opposite of the world. In Exodus chapter 20, when God gave Moses the Ten Commandments, he said this, I am the Lord your God. I delivered you out of the house of bondage. I delivered you out of Egypt. And you will have no other gods before me. Write that down. You will have no other gods before me. I must be first. And when Jesus came on the earth, he said this in Matthew 6, 33. Seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. And then all these things, everything that you're worried about, everything that you're concerned about, everything that you need, I will add to you. Now, let me ask you a question. When did the miracle take place? When did the miracle take place? I want you to imagine this woman. She has a little jar of flour, a bin of flour. And she goes, okay. And she takes it and she dumps it, turns it upside down. All the flour comes out. She takes the jar of oil, dumps out all the oil. None left. It's all gone. And she makes... She makes the bread for Elijah first. And she baked it for him. And she brought it to him. And she went back. And somehow there was more. There was more flour in that bin. God is able. God is able, church. Write this down. When did the miracle take place? When she made a cake for Elijah first. God wants you to tithe. And when does the miracle take place? When you put him first. When you put 
him first. When we say, God, I'm going to tithe to you first before I pay any bill. I'm going to honor you first. And I know that that takes faith. But God honors that faith and he multiplies blessing back to you so that all your needs will be met. I'm going to invite the worship team, if you would please come up. I can testify that God is is so faithful. When Ruthie and I, we made a leap of faith from a a youth pastor's position. And church, I want you to look up here because I want you to hear my story. Ruthie and I, if you can look up here and and you can tell me you're poor, I can tell you that Ruthie and I were poorer, okay? I can can look in your eyes and say, I bet we were poorer, okay? Ruthie and I, we left a position where we had uh, stable pay. It was a youth pastor position. We had benefits from our church. We had just had our fourth child. We just had Anna in 1995. And God moved us to a church in Barberton, Ohio, a church of 25 people that could not guarantee our income, which they said, we hope we're going to be able to pay you $400 a week. That's what we hope we can give you. So I'm going to tell you a testimony about tithing and giving. So they said, we can give you $400 a week, we hope. And I said, that's not why I'm doing this. God will supply all of our needs. He will meet us. And so take $40 out of that for our tithe. Ruthie and I gave $5 every week to missions. And then we gave an offering to Heartland. Seven, it wasn't much, but it was all we could do. I mean, you can only stretch the dollar so far, right? We gave $7 to Heartland Camp. The pastors of Ohio were asked to give to buy the land that Heartland sits on today. They asked all the pastors to do it. Ruthie said, honey, I don't think we can do this. And I said, we'll give $7. It's $2 and something, barely $2 a week. And, and I said, I want to give something. I believe in this. I want to give. Because we were all in. And church, some of the problems that you're facing is because you're not all in. Okay? You got to go all in. If you want to see God work, you got to go all in. Is everybody with me? Ruthie and I, now mind you, we owned a home. We had a car payment. And then we had four hungry children and a crop in the field. I'm just joking. We did no crops in the field. Four hungry children. All right. And this was a faith walk, and God was faithful. Whenever you make a leap like this, you are believing that God is going to catch you. And Ruthie and I were no different. We said, God, we were called originally to be missionaries. And and we're going to treat Barberton just like the mission field. We're going to live like missionaries live. 25 elderly people in our little church. And we went there and we did the the work of the Lord. And God did great and mighty things. We outgrew our little sanctuary. But we needed God to supernaturally provide for us. In November, there was a larger church in our section. If you don't know about the Assemblies of God, there's approximately 20 churches in your area or in your section. And so we were in the Akron section. There are about 20 churches. There was a church in Akron called Evangel that invited us to come to their church. They said, we would like you to come on a Sunday night to our church. We have something for you. So we said, okay. So we we took the position in June. Anna was born on June the 10th. All of our house was packed. We laid Anna in a 
laundry basket because there was no place to put her. And, and I, went to, uh, I went to Barberton and left my family behind. I lived with a family from the church. And I said, God, you've got a supply for us. We have nowhere to live. There was a, a little house that, uh, that I, I looked at. It was actually a beautiful home in Portage Lakes. And I walked around it and prayed and asked the Lord to give it to us. And he did. That's a testimony for another day. We'll tell you about that later. This church invited us to come out. And they said, we've been taking offerings for you. So it's November. We came, probably moved in July or August. We've been taking offerings for you and for your family. We know that this is a leap of faith for you. So we have a check to give you. I opened up the envelope and it was a check for $1,200. We said, wow, God, you are so good. We went to their fellowship hall. We had sloppy joes. I'll never forget it. We sat around. We talked to their people. The family of God is great, by the way, church. We sat around and spoke with them and shared the great things that God was doing. And they said, Pastor Phil, before you leave, we have something that we would like to give you. They pulled back a big black curtain. There were four eight-foot tables loaded with food, three foot high. A year's supply of canned goods, laundry detergent, soaps, everything that a family would need to live for one year. Isn't God amazing, church? Praise the Lord. God was saying, I see you. Can you trust me? I see you. Can you trust me? And God is saying the same thing to you. I see you. It doesn't matter how much you make. Tithe. Give to me. It may be like, like Jamie's testimony. Your tithe may be 10 bucks. That's how you worship God. Worship him. Amen? Worship him. Give to him. Believe in him. Honor him. And he will honor you. In your bulletin, there's a little card. Would you pull that out at this time? If you don't have one of these cards and you need one, raise your hand. Mike has extra ones in the back. Teenagers, I want you to tithe. I want you to tithe. I get an allowance of five bucks, Pastor. Fifty cents is your tithe. All right? I want to teach you young. Why? Because I'm, I want God to supply for you. I want God to meet all of your needs according to his riches and glory. Amen? Am I a mean pastor? No. I'm, I'm, I'm teaching them about blessing. Everyone get a card. If you don't have a card, raise your hand. Right over here, we need some cards. In the balcony, raise your hand if you need a card. Here's what I'm asking you to do. Some of you, you're just going to write down, I'm tithing, Pastor. I've been doing it. I haven't stopped. Amen. Bless you. Some of you are saying, Okay, Pastor. Here we go. I'm going to make a leap of faith. God will catch you. 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 So here's what you're going to do. You're going to try this for six months. Okay? You're going to try this for six months. And I want you to come back and tell me if this doesn't work. I want you to tell me, Pastor, didn't work for me. Because you're not going to say that. Because God's principles are true. Amen? And they work. Let me invite you to stand. Our worship team is going to lead us in a song called Give Me Faith. 
We need faith for this, right? We need faith. But I want you to write on this card your name, and I want you to write the date. And we're going to come to the altar. Some of you are saying, Pastor, I've never done this before. This is like I'm used to putting 10 bucks in the plate. I'm not used to this. You're talking 10%. I'll never forget in my last church, one of our deacons came up to me and he said this. You know, I want you to know I'm giving about a car payment to this church. I said, number one, you're not giving to this church. You're giving to God Almighty who is able to supply all your needs. It is an act of worship. God is able to give you much more when you love him, when you worship him. If you didn't get a card, raise your hand. Keep your hand held high. We're going to bring you a card. If this is new for you, if this is new for you, I want you to do this. I want you to come to the altar and I want you to kneel down. Seriously, kneel down and say, God, this is new to me. This is new to our family. I've never done this. This is a huge leap of faith. Will you meet me? Will you meet me? And God's going to say, yes, I'm going to meet you. But you need to, you need to make an altar. You need to make an altar before the Lord. Did you guys know that tithing is part of our covenant with God? Did you know that? Some of you didn't know that. I didn't talk about that today. Tithing is part of our covenant with God that we're truly going to follow him. Some of you need to kneel down at the altar and remake your covenant with God. Because it does. It takes faith. It is a stretch, is it not? It is. But God's going to meet you. God's going to meet you. Father, I pray for your people right now. Lord, as we are worshiping you, as we're giving you honor and glory, Lord, we're also taking a leap of faith and we're saying we're going to tithe. We're going to be faithful over the next six months. And Lord, I pray that you would meet every need. You are God. God, your word says that you are not a man that you would lie. We trust in you. We believe in you. But may our faith rise to the occasion. May our faith rise to the occasion. Lord, we make a covenant with you today. And we will be faithful because you are always faithful. In Jesus' name. Let's sing with the worship team. And let's come and let's lay this on the altar.